The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Hey, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, open it up to Genesis chapter 2. You can open a phone or a tablet. Uh, Genesis 2 is where we're going to be. If you don't know where Genesis is, it's the first book of the Bible, so it's real easy. We're talking like page 2, right? I don't know what, I mean, if, if you've got a phone, I don't know how to find it, but, but uh, Google that or something. But Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to start today. Um, as you're turning there, uh, I am a child of the 80s. Okay, just so you're aware, child of the 80s. Uh, during the 80s, under the leadership of uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan, uh, there was an advertising campaign uh, on the war against drugs. I don't know if you remember this, okay, but uh, I was introduced, the way I was introduced as a child to this program uh, was through uh, an event that came to my elementary school. I went to public school, so through, through my elementary school, uh, there, there was a program called D.A.R.E., Remember D.A.R.E.? Okay, D.A.R.E., Drug Abuse Resistance Education, D.A.R.E., right? Like that was, it was black and red. It was like scary letters. It was D.A.R.E., okay? Um, so once a year at Foothills Elementary uh, at a school assembly, we had a, a guest speaker who would show up, Officer Mike. Okay, I remember Officer Mike to this day. Officer Mike uh, would show up and he would come and he'd talk to us about drugs and, and, and how bad they were for us. And, and I remember that Officer Mike didn't like, didn't like drugs, was really good at jump roping, which was like immediate street cred with second graders, right? So like could jump rope and was like really into like emotional, passionate singing and would always sing a song for us. So that's my uh, Officer Mike memory, okay? But all of this was to set up the slogan of D.A.R.E. and really of this larger uh, anti-drug campaign. You remember what this, the, the, the slogan was? Just say no, right? That was the slogan of the 80s uh, war on drugs. Um, we are in the middle of this disciplines series, the disciplines, okay? Uh, and, and today we are looking at a discipline uh, that uh, is called fasting. Everybody's favorite discipline, right? Fasting. Kyle got to somehow preach on prayer last week, and I sandwiched right between Sabbath and fasting. I get those two, okay? He gets prayer, I get Sabbath and fasting. Um, now, before you kind of check out, because we're talking about fasting, before you run out or, or log out, whatever you might do, um, I want to ask you to suspend any judgment that you might have about the discipline of fasting, because I think God might have something specifically for you in this message, okay? I think fasting, hear me, might be the secret to just say no, to just say no. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into the text and we're going to talk about this. Uh, so Genesis chapter two, even if you don't know anything about the Bible, you very likely know about Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. Okay. God creates the first people, Adam and Eve, and it's not even three chapters into this thing and they've already screwed stuff up. Now, you know this story likely, very likely. There was only one rule, okay? And when God creates them in the Garden of Eden, there was one rule for them. And we're going to find that in, in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Chapter 2, 16 uh, through 17. Here's what the rule is. And the Lord God commanded the man, so that's Adam, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely 
die. Now, that's the one prohibition in the garden. Everything else is free game. But there is one prohibition in the garden, and it's don't eat of that one tree. There's one tree that is off limits. Everything else is up for grabs. And listen, it's not even 10 more verses down on your scriptures that, that the serpent shows up. And it, we find out it's the devil. It's, it's the enemy. It's the tempter in disguise. And he starts talking to Eve. You might know this story. Talking to her and tempting her. The tempter does his job. He tempts her. And she finds herself uh, tempted by what, what his, uh, theologians call the forbidden fruit the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. And hear me, as I think about this, it makes sense to me that she is tempted by this fruit because hear me, you're never tempted by things that you don't care about. You're never tempted by things that you're just like totally not interested in at all. And food, man, food is something that we care about. Anybody not with me here, right? I mean, anybody not care? I mean, I care about how my steak is done. That's why I send it back when it's not done correctly. Like I care about food. It's something we care about. So Eve is tempted by a tempter to eat something tempting. If it was broccoli hanging there, I don't think we'd be falling. But the fruit was tempting. What happens? Look at Genesis chapter three, verse six, a little further down. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And that it was a delight to the eyes, so it looked good. And that the tree was desired to be desired to make one wise, so there's like superpower in that tree. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And just like that, the first sin enters into the world. Now, I don't know if you've read that before. If you've read that before and you're like me, in, in my mind, I'm just like, no. Like, no, Eve, don't do it. Eve, don't eat it. Just say no. There's trees everywhere. There's fruit everywhere. You can have whatever you want. Just don't have that one thing. Like, just say no, but she doesn't. She didn't. And as I'm thinking this week, it's very interesting to me that the fall of humanity is linked to food. The first sin is linked to the inability to just say no to something to eat. God has given Adam and Eve dominion over all the things in the garden, but now the things that, had they, that, that they had been given dominion over have all of a sudden taken dominion over them. That's the very nature of sin. Anyone feel me on this one? Now, uh, here's what I want you to do. We're, we're done with Genesis. I want you to turn to the right to the, the gospel of Matthew. First book of the Old Testament all the way to the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter four, okay? It's the first gospel. It is the first account that we have after the Old Testament of uh, Jesus, the life uh, and teaching of Jesus. So Matthew chapter four is where we find uh, Jesus just about to kind of come out of the proverbial closet and start his public ministry. He's been hiding in obscurity for almost 30 years, just kind of, I don't know, working and and praying and maturing and growing up. And now he is ready to kind of make a public declaration. I am here. I'm doing my ministry. He'll do three years of ministry. And then ultimately we find out what happens on Easter. It doesn't go so well, but it actually does go well. Um, And and so so before he is going to make his public appearance uh, as a, 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 
a rabbi, as a proclaimer of the gospel. Uh, what, what we find in Matthew chapter four is that he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He's led, so God, the Holy Spirit, leads God, the Son, into the wilderness to be tempted. Sometimes God leads you to be tempted as a test, okay? So he does this with his Son. Jesus is now going to be tempted by the same tempter as Eve was tempted by. It's not a serpent this time. It is Satan. It is the devil. It is the enemy who shows up. But in Matthew chapter four, something happens differently as the tempter tempts Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter four, starting in verse two. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter, there he is, he came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's fascinating that Jesus is tempted in the very same way that Eve was tempted by the very same tempter. One from Genesis 2, one from Matthew 4. Both stories have a tempter. Both stories have the tempted. And both stories center around food. The difference, the difference between these two stories, Jesus just said no. Jesus just said no. And hear me, a difference that I see is that Jesus had trained himself how to say no by fasting. Before he goes out there, he fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights, which would make you think that he is now weaker to the enemy's attack with the offer of food, and yet it is not. Now, did you ever wonder why the tree was put in the garden? You ever wonder that? Like, why, why did God even put the tree? Like, wouldn't, God, wouldn't it have just been easier if he just had put that tree outside of the garden where she wasn't allowed to go? Like, why would you even put that in there? We'd all still be hanging out in the garden. Why'd you put that tree there, God? I, I think the reason why that tree's placed at the center of the Garden of Eden is because I think God needed to give humanity something to say no to. He needed to give us something that we could just say no to. If there had been nothing for Adam and Eve to, to say no to, what would, have they, what would they have been? They would have been animals, right? Animals, these animalistic instinct is you just do whatever you feel like, right? The, whatever instinct you have is what you follow. That's what animals do. But God is trying to teach us that we are not to be driven by our instincts. We're not animals in the same way that the rest of the animals in the garden were. So I don't know, I've, I've not talked about uh, our first dog, uh, Hank, for a while. Uh, so I, I'll talk about him. Hank is dead, okay? just so you're aware. Uh, but when Hank was a puppy, we were trying to get him to the point where he could stay at home by himself and not just mess all over the place, right? You've had puppies, maybe you know how this goes. It's, it's, it's a stressful experience. But uh, so we're, we're letting him stay a little longer, a little longer each time we leave. And one day, Hank, we, we let him, we gave him free roam of the house, okay? We lived in a town home at the point. We said, okay, Hank, you are free to stay here. We're gonna leave. When we got back, 
Here's what had happened. Hank had opened all of the cabinets in our kitchen. How? I have no idea. Okay? But he had done it. He pulled everything out and selected two things to chew up. One was a Teflon frying pan, and the other was a food processor. Right? I don't even know if I should have been impressed or, or, or ticked, right? Like it was really something else. I don't know how you get to the point where you chew up a Teflon frying pan, but he did it. And, and, and now hear me, when we got home, he acted as if nothing had happened, right? In fact, he was pretty much just like, ta-da, look what I did, right? And I was kind of like, yeah, that's pretty impressive, dude. Uh, but, but, but so here's what happened. Uh, while he's chewing up the food processor, here's what's going on. I still don't know how he did it, but here's what's going on in Hank's mind. While he's chewing on that and his teeth are grating against the plastic and the metal, it feels like freedom. He thinks, I am free. But hear me, it led to bondage. Okay, it led to the kennel. All right, that's what was next. So Marcy and I, we went to the PetSmart, okay, and we bought a kennel. And uh, every time we would leave our house, then Hank had to go in the kennel. That was the new rule. And the people at the PetSmart, this is what they said. They said, we should just say kennel, okay, kennel, and then put him in there, and he would learn to love the kennel. That's what they said, that it'll mean safety and security for him. Well, the people at the PetSmart are liars, and the truth is not in them, okay? Uh, because, because when we said the word kennel, Hank didn't run into his kennel lovingly. Instead, he'd run upstairs and get under the bed just out of reach. That's what he associated with kennel. So Marcy and I decided we, we needed a strategy. We needed to come up with a strategy to tempt Hank to get into the kennel. Uh, and Hank loved cheese, right? Every dog does. Uh, so we would get him a piece of cheese and we'd show it to Hank and his little French bulldog jowls would start to drip water because he would just salivate at the cheese and he'd go nuts. And he'd think, what manner of love is this that the father would bestow cheese upon me? That's what's going on in Hank's mind. And so then we would take the cheese, we'd throw it into the kennel. Hank would run into the kennel. We'd slam the door. He'd think, cheese, cheese, cheese. And then he'd turn around and realize, dang, I'm in the kennel. And we tricked him. And every single time I thought that Hank would figure out that the cheese was just a way to dupe him into the kennel, but he never figured it out. And I think, what a dumb dog. Like, what an animal. Like, what a moronic animal going for the cheese every single time. Why doesn't Hank just say no to the cheese? Anyone else feel at times like Hank? Like there's just something that tempts you and you know you should just say no and it leads you to bondage. It leads you to whatever the kennel is for you. Listen to me here. You are not an animal. You have the ability to say no. You have the ability, now hear me, through Christ to just say no. But I'm just telling you, it takes training. It's not going to come naturally. It takes training. And I think the discipline of fasting trains us to just say no. So what is fasting? Let's get into it a little bit here. What is fasting? Here's the definition Biblical fasting is refraining for food, from food for a spiritual purpose. 
That's what biblical fasting is, refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, in normal fasting, you still drink liquids, okay? That's not a great idea is not to drink liquids. You should drink some liquids, okay? But you stop eating for a time and you turn your energies towards prayer, towards the reading of scripture and towards other spiritual activities. Now hear me, there are times where you might do a partial fast, such as what we find in the book of Daniel, where Daniel and his friends fasted from a particular set of foods. But most often it is a complete stopping of eating food for maybe a meal or for maybe a day or for maybe even multiple days. And fasting is for a spiritual purpose. It's for a spiritual purpose. Uh, the, the goal is to enter into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Okay? If you don't connect fasting with like prayer and the scriptures and something spiritual, it's little more than dieting. But it has a spiritual purpose. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, now real quick, let me quote uh, a pastor and author, John Tyson, here, because I think something needs to be added to our definition. This is, I think this is helpful, so listen to this quote. In today's food-oriented context, people are always trying to fast from everything except food. We say things like, I'm fasting from social media. I'm fasting from criticizing others. I'm fasting from purchasing clothes. Like, and as good and as important as these things are, I don't believe they fall into the same category as biblical fasting. They may be useful practices and focuses, but fasting seems to be tied to food. So hear me, abstaining from other things is very good, but fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose purpose. And just remember here, food was linked to the fall. Okay. Now let me also add this in just so that we're aware. Fasting is not a commandment. Okay. Nowhere in the Bible do I find any biblical laws that command regular Christian fasting. It's not like a commandment. Okay. Fasting is not a commandment. It is an invitation. It's an invitation, hear me, to just say no. It's an invitation to designate yourselves from the animals. So it's pretty interesting, actually, how much spiritual danger and disobedience uh, are related to food in the scriptures. If you kind of look, just real quick, I mean, we've already mentioned Adam and Eve being tempted by the fruit. Uh, later on in Genesis, if you know the, the, the story, Esau was willing to sell his birthright for a pot of stew, right? He's hungry and he's willing to give up his very birthright. Uh, after the Exodus, if you remember this in Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites have left Egypt. They're wandering in the desert and they often complained and wanted to forfeit their freedom and go back into slavery. Why? Because they missed the food. They missed the food while they were slaves in Egypt. And then again, remember the first attack. I think the first attack on this hungry Jesus before he goes into his ministry is centered around promises of food. These I don't think are coincidental, my friends. Fasting is an invitation to subvert our instincts and our appetites and to, uh, and to lead us into the ability to just say no. So, that's a fast. That's what fasting, biblical fasting is. Now, what's the purpose of fasting? I think there's a lot 
that we could say about this. I, I'm going to give us three uh, reasons, purposes for fasting today. First, fasting is a disruption. The purpose of fasting is that it is a disruption. Fasting is a disruption to like your regularly scheduled programming. Okay? When you fast, you insert a disruption to your regular eating rhythms, which by the way, are the defining rhythms of your life. Right? Uh, Morning, noon, and evening are, are all marked by meals. You ever go on vacation and the only thing you have to decide on is what do we do in between feedings? You go places just for food and then you're like, I don't know what we should do before dinner. Uh, Let's go eat something, right? Like that's, that's essentially what you do. We fast to disrupt our normal rhythms. And a fast is very effective at getting you out of a rut. It is. Why? Because fasting invites disruption into your life. So historically uh, in the Bible, when God's people have turned to him through fasting, he breaks in. Right? It's a disruption, but it, it can bring radical change. So here's just a few examples. Moses, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the result was he was given the Ten Commandments. Okay, Hannah, I don't know if you remember this, 1 Samuel, Hannah fasted and God gave her a son. She was barren and God gave her a son through her fasting who who was named Samuel and he would change the fate of the nation of Israel. Okay, Esther, she called for a fast and the Hebrews are delivered from their enemies. And that's just a few of them in the Bible. Church, we, we just did this ourselves. We did this just a few weeks ago for baby Lenny. We fasted. We called the church to, uh, uh, to pray and to, to fast. And many of us did that. We joined in that. And she came through the surgery. They removed the term- tumor. She is doing well today. She's recovering. We fasted for that. And I think God heard that. Fasting is a disruption. So let me ask, where are you stalled? Where are you stuck? Maybe it's time to invite a disruption into your habits. Maybe it's time to invite a disruption into that situation. Okay, fasting is a uh, disruption. Second, fasting boosts our reception. It boosts our reception. Uh, I don't have cable at home. We cut that cord, uh, so we don't have cable. Um, but I do sometimes like to watch network TV, uh, specifically the Broncos. Not today, but uh, or really this year because they stink. But uh, listen, I, I, I went out and I bought an HD antenna. Okay, I got an HD antenna. Uh, I've connected that to our TV. And last Sunday, I was trying to watch the Broncos game. Okay, last Sunday afternoon, it was a 225 game or whatever. Uh, and so I pull out my little antenna, screw that thing into the back of my TV, and I know exactly where and how and at what angle to kind of place that thing in the room so that I can get a crystal clear reception of the Broncos game. All right, so I get it all set set that thing up, get on my couch. It's not like freaking out. The TV, if you've got a, you know what the, the HD receiver does, but um, I, I get it all set and you know what happens? Harper comes in the room, right? She comes in the room dancing or whatever. And I'm like, okay, uh, hey honey, I see you. Yes, I see you. I'm glad that you're here. Hey, why don't you just come on over here, snuggle in and don't move, right? Because what happens? She walks in the room and it totally messes up my reception, 
So I get her. She comes in and you know, snuggles in and we were able to watch the game, right? Until Marcy walked in the room and screwed the whole thing up again, right? If you've got an antenna, you are amending this, okay? Fasting, listen, it helps us boost our reception. There are so many things beckoning and screaming for your attention. And when they come in the room, they interrupt the reception. And fasting helps us hear God more clearly. Clearly, It is a boost to the reception. Uh, you, ever, um, you ever get lost driving somewhere? You ever do this, get lost while you're on the road? Uh, if you're Gen Z in here, um, before the iPhone and the uh, Maps app, okay, uh, there were really, like we had three options when we were driving, okay? We had three options. One was you use a paper map, which you could never unfold and then refold, right? So you had a map, or you actually knew where you were going, right? You'd get in the car and you're like, I know how to get there, and so you'd just go, or you'd get lost. Those are your three options. Paper map, know where you're going, or you're lost. That's all, you didn't have, ding, turn left, right? Like you didn't have that. So uh, if you ever get lost, uh, which I guess you can't do anymore, but if you do get lost, oh, do you remember what the first thing you do when you realize you're lost is? First, oh, no, 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 no. First thing you do, you turn the radio down. Right? Is that weird? You're listening to music and you're like, where am I? And the first thing you do is like, turn the, if someone's in the car, you're like, hey, just shut up for a second while I find out where we are. You need quiet. Why? I don't know. But you shut down all the distractions so that you can focus in on what you're doing. You turn down competing distractions when you're trying to focus on one thing. Listen, fasting, essentially, it turns down all the other knobs in our life so that the reception from God's spirit is boosted. It strengthens our spirits. It, it reorders our loves. It allows for us to feast on the goodness of God. Fasting increases our intimacy with and our delight in God. It boosts our reception. Third, fasting is for power. Now, my charismatics are going to feel this, and my Baptists are not, but stay with me here. Fasting is for power. Galatians chapter five says that we are to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Um, but you see, most of us are used to doing whatever our appetites and our bodies tell us to do. Right? That's how sin ends up holding its power over us. But as Christ followers empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, listen, we don't have to do what our appetites tell us to do any longer. We don't have to. Fasting actually gives us the power to just say no. See, evangelical Christians, um, we are so bought into the fact that Jesus saves us from the penalty of our sin. Right? You've heard this. Believe in Jesus so you don't go to hell. And that is true. Jesus' death on the cross does save us from the penalty of our sin. But hear me, Jesus also frees us from the power of our sin. Before you were saved, hear me, you were unable not to sin. 
Before you were a Christian, you were unable not to sin. But now that Jesus is your Lord, you have been given the power not to sin. Before you had no choice. You were depraved. But now that the spirit lives in you and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, you have the power. You have been given the power to just say no. And one of the best ways to train yourself in that power is to practice fasting. Okay, fasting is saying no to a good thing to prepare you to say no to a bad thing. You're saying no to something that's good and right. Like it's good to eat. It is good to nourish your body. But you say no to something that is good and right and acceptable so that you are trained to say no when things start showing up in your life that you know you ought to say no to. There are bad things. There are fleshly things. There are sin things that you need to be ready to say no to. And fasting helps prepare you to be self-controlled enough to just say no. It's training yourself in this. Fasting is one of the ways that God actually, hear me, looses the, bond, the bonds of sin in our life. He sanctifies us through fasting. He purifies us through fasting. It prepares you to fight. It prepares you for that battle. Uh, in, in Mark chapter nine, there's this bizarre story. Uh, I think it's bizarre. Uh, we, we find Jesus uh, showing up and his, his disciples are attempting to cast out a demon in, in Mark uh, chapter nine. They're trying to cast out this demon from a young boy. Uh, now hear me, they had already been sent out and they had cast out demons. They weren't like first-timers. They weren't like rookie quarterback trying to throw his first touchdown. They'd thrown touchdowns. They'd cast out demons. So they knew what they were doing, but for some reason, they're unable to cast out this one demon in this one boy, and then Jesus shows up. He shows up, and he sees what's happening, and essentially, in the Bible, it has some, has some nicer language, but essentially, Jesus is just like, move, right? And, he, and, and they get out of the way. Jesus just speaks a word, rebukes the, 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 the demon. It comes out of the boy and it's over. Did you ever notice that the demons never really put up a good fight against Jesus? He's just like, get out. And they're like, bah, gone, right? So the disciples, a minute and a half later, come up to him and they say, hey, Jesus, Mark uh, chapter nine, verse 28. Why could we not cast it out? And then Jesus said to them, this kind, which that'll mess up your mind. There are different kinds. That makes things way more complex. All right. But he says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. See, somehow when we fast, God grows us in power through the Holy Spirit to actually break the bonds of oppression. There are some strongholds that cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Question, do you have any strongholds in your life? Listen, I'm just going to assume for a second that you love Jesus, okay? Let's just assume for just a second. We, I'm not, I know that may not be true, but let's just assume for a second. If you love Jesus, okay, I'm going to assume you love Jesus. You can love Jesus, like really, really love Jesus. And yet you can find yourself caught by a stronghold. You know what I'm saying? 
You following me there? Like, it's not, it's not that you don't love Jesus. It's just that you're stuck. You're in bondage. I mean, what's that thing that you're like, hear me, I'm done with that. I am done. I'm going to just say no. And you know what's wrong and, and you know it's a sin and, and maybe you've even memorized some verses, right? Maybe you've even covered yourself in prayer. You're like practicing some other disciplines, right? And yet you just keep finding yourself in that place and you don't even know how you got there. You ever find yourself in that place? There's, you just, you, you've given in once again to your stronghold. You've given in once again to the temptation. And there's just so much like crippling shame that follows it. And you're like, what is wrong with me? I love Jesus. I said I was done with this. Officer Mike is going in my head. Just say no. I'm going to say no. May I suggest that it's time to fast? Perhaps this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. So church, I want to land the plane on this discipline, just like we have with all of our disciplines in this series by getting practical. Real practical, okay? I want to challenge you this week. Anyone want to guess what the challenge is? Yeah, yeah, we're going to challenge ourselves to fast. So here's what I'll say. If you are physically and emotionally able, and I say that with a great sense of uh, care, abundance of care, okay, you may legitimately not be able to, okay? You might have uh, 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 an emotional thing with food that, that listen, that, that's not gonna be a healthy thing for you to do. You might have a physical thing and that's a real thing and I, want to, I just wanna give grace there, but, but, but hear me. Remember, this is not a command. It's an invitation, okay? It's an invitation. So, so if you are able, I wanna encourage us to find a two-meal block this week and fast, Okay, I would recommend breakfast and lunch. I, why? I, it's just because dinner's great, okay? Uh, so, no, I, I, think, I think breakfast and lunch makes sense. Let me get into this, why? Okay, I'm challenging us to fast this week this way, and here's why. Uh, frankly, this is the discipline before we got into the discipline series that I saw coming up on the discipline series, and I was like, oh, crud, I'm not doing this one really well right now. Like, I read my Bible, I pray, but like, Oh no, fasting. And so I figured I better start doing this if I'm gonna tell y'all to do this, okay? So I have been starting to practice. I'm in training here too, okay? I'm training in these disciplines just like I'm calling all of us to train here. So I have started fasting on Thursdays from eating breakfast and lunch, okay? Now here's why I think breakfast and lunch works. It works for me first, because I'm at work, okay? I am at work, so I'm not pulling Marcy and Harper into that. Like I don't want them to have to fast because dad's over in the corner, just like, not eating, right? Grumpy. I don't want that to happen. Second, I can control my schedule enough so that Thursdays, I'm not gonna set up a lunch and like sit with you at Chipotle while you're eating and I'm like, I'm fasting, sorry, right? Like hovering around the room. Like that's not, I don't wanna play that game either. So, so I fast Thursdays, breakfast and lunch, I don't eat. And then I break that fast when I get home and I have dinner with my family. And frankly, I'd like dinner to be on the table when I get home, right? Five o'clock, baby. Let's make it happen Thursday, okay? Because I'm hungry at that point. I don't want a seven o'clock dinner. I want a five o'clock dinner. All right. Pick a two-meal block. Maybe it's breakfast and lunch. Maybe it's not. Look at your calendar and block it out. Listen to me. Good intentions will not go anywhere on this one. 
Look at your calendar, pick a block of two meals, block it out, and then I would encourage you to do two things before you fast. Number one, pick something to fast for. As you abstain from eating food, pick something that you're gonna fast for. And number two, plan what you're gonna do when you'd normally be eating. So maybe you feel spiritually dull and you just feel, man, I need God to disrupt my apathy. That's something to fast for, right? Maybe you're trying to make a decision about something in your life and you just feel like you need to boost your reception to hear from the Lord. That's a great thing to fast for. Maybe you've got a lingering sin that you just can't beat, And you need the power to put that thing to death once and for all. It's a great thing to fast for. Whatever it is, okay, pick something to fast for. Remember, we have to attach it to a spiritual practice, okay? It's not just dieting, it's it's fasting. So pick that and then make a plan for what you're going to do when you're normally eating. Because if at 1130 or 12 o'clock you don't have a plan, hear me, Chipotle will beckon It will call to you, right? So make a plan for what you will do while you normally would eat. So maybe during your lunch break, you're gonna go for a walk. You're just gonna walk and you're gonna pray and you're gonna just sit in that fast, okay? Maybe if you're skipping breakfast, instead of eating breakfast, you're gonna take that 30 minutes that you would normally kind of munch on stuff and like look at Sports Center app or news app or whatever. Maybe you'll take that 30 minutes and you'll devote your time to reading a larger portion of scripture that morning or praying more that morning. I don't know, but, but listen, every time then during your fast that your stomach rumbles, that's an invitation to press in to God. It's an invitation to press into that disruption, to, to uh, increase that reception, to listen for him and to lean into the power that God has for you, that he has given you. Two meals. You can do this. You can do this. I can do this. I mean, I'm still hungry, but you can do this. So hear me in this. We're, we're done. Uh, Sabbath and fasting. Those are the last two sermons I got to preach. Sabbath and fasting might just be the most countercultural disciplines that you can practice. Right? Sabbath, taking one day off in seven where you're not actually producing, that's countercultural. And fasting, not doing what your cravings tell you to do, that is countercultural. And here's why these two are so countercultural. Because we live in a, in a culture of more. Right? More of this, more of that, more money, more things, more experiences, more friends, more likes, more follows, more food, more drink, more pleasure, more. Give me more. Just give me more of everything. But here's what we learn from these disciplines. Abundance is found in abstinence. Abundance is actually found in abstinence. Abundant life is found in abstaining. You want more? You want more of Jesus? You want more life? You want more love? You want more? Just say no. Let's train in this together this week, church. Let's pray.
Lord, we bless you. Thank you for the gift that it is to fast. Thanks for the invitation to enter into this discipline. And God, I pray for myself, for my brothers and sisters, both in person and online. I pray, Father, that you um, would, would reveal to us through the power of the Holy Spirit the things that we should be saying no to, the things that we might be dull in or stuck in or uh, uh, indecisive about. And I pray, Father, that through the practice, the gift of fasting, we might disrupt and we might boost our reception and we might actually be empowered to find victory in some things, to find life in some things, to find abundance. Lord, I do thank you for this gift. I pray that it would transform our hearts and our lives so that we look more like Jesus. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.